Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. talk this morning about ministering in the prophetic. We're in a series, like I said, about the spiritual gifts. We're in the book of Corinthians in chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, also in Romans 12, this is listed. Um, So I'm just going to read out of Romans 12 just real quick. I don't have it on the screen, but it says, just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, then let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, uh, let him give generously. If it's leadership, govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, do it cheerfully. So it says that when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live in us, not only us, but actually to dwell collectively in the church, where Christians get together and they worship and they pray and they live for him, he pours out spiritual gifts, which we would say spiritual gifts are sovereignly given abilities, right? They're sovereignly given abilities by the Holy Spirit to the church to edify, which just means to build up the church. And these are the kinds of gifts he gives, right? Serving, teaching, prophecy, encouragement, leadership, mercy, these kinds of things. These spiritual gifts, they matter because this is what sets us apart from all other peoples, is the the manifest presence of Jesus in the body through the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit. This is what marks us apart. Even Moses says this in the Old Testament, right? He says, says, we don't want to go, Father, unless you go with us because it's your presence that sets us apart from all peoples. Isn't that interesting? It's like all peoples have their own moral code, they have their own laws, they have their own culture, they have their own language, and yet we're the only people who you dwell in our midst as we worship. Wherever we move this tent and wherever the altar goes with us, you show up in power and glory and beauty, and that sets us apart. And so we want to make sure that the church, right, reflects God's initial plan for it. And we read about this in 2 Corinthians 3, where he says that if the first law, right, if the first dispensation came with glory, how much more glorious is this new covenant, right? If the old covenant, the law that was written on tablets of stone, if that came in glory, how much more glory is the law that of the Spirit which will be written on your hearts? But I love that because what it says is the church is meant to be glorious, it's meant to house the glory of God in the same way that, that um, the garden did, in the same way that the tabernacle did, in the same way that the temple did, in the same way that Jesus did. Now the church is meant to house his glory. We're meant to see him. 
in glory, right? So 1 Corinthians uh, 12 says that this, now to each member or to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So we see this spiritual gifts are given for the good of the body. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Then we skip to 1 Corinthians 14. It says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. I love this. This is a command to Christians is to eagerly desire the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That's not a bad thing, but he would rather, I would rather have you prophesy, or sorry, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. Isn't that great? So God's plan is that the church would be strong in him. It would get built up in him. It would become like him in its nature. So what, what is prophecy, right? So the biblical word of prophecy is translated from the Greek. It's a pro- compound word that says prophetia, which is made up of two parts, pro, which is forth or for, and phatia, which is to speak. So you combine these, these things together and it is to speak forth to people. Something that's spoken forth or one speaking forth. And Paul clearly understands prophecy not merely as bold speech making critical comment on current issues, but as inspired speech. Inspired speech directly from God. So what does God do? God speaks to humans, and then humans speak forth God's words to people. That's it. It's, it's actually really simple. It's not really that complicated, although there is mystery involved, right? Um, so it, it's also prophecy. What is prophecy? It's, um, it's this sign of the last days, right? And Joel 2 says, in those days I will pour out my spirit. I'll pour out my spirit. It's this promise in that people will prophesy. They will speak forth about who God is. We find in the book of Acts, right? Uh, the fulfillment of Joel 2 is in Acts 2. And it says, what do they do? They hear the people. They hear them speaking in tongues. They're speaking in different languages, but they hear them in their own language. What do they say? We hear them praising God. They're prophesying. They're telling forth the things of God that are flowing into them through the Holy Spirit. They're just speaking forth the praise and glorifying of God. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, which is interesting because... maybe I'm like you, I I haven't spent that much time in the book of Revelation. I've spent way more time in the last four years in the book of Revelation. Uh, When the world gets like this, you tend to go like, where's this going, God? What's happening? And good thing is there's lots of good things in there. But Revelation 19.10 says this, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Isn't that awesome? What is prophecy? Prophecy is the testimony of Jesus from him through you to others. 
Prophecy testifies about the nature, the character, the move of God. What is God doing in a place? Prophecy identifies what God's doing or saying in a place and delivers it in a way that strengthens, comforts, and encourages people. And this is fascinating because many of you, probably like me, didn't grow up in a church context where, where prophecy was practiced. If we raised hands, it would be interesting to see the percentage. But as I've learned what prophecy is, the prophetic gift is, many people are prophesying all the time. They just don't know to call it that. <laughs> they call it encouragement or exhortation. It's like, but, but you're sitting in a place and you see somebody and you're like, Man, God just told me in a, in a strange way how much he loves them, and I just need to tell them. Or God, God sees you. God loves you. God knows you. God's for you. It's these words come out of us that come directly from God to them, and that's prophetic ministry. Now, can God use people to call forth events? Can he use people to predict things and to say where things are going? God can do anything, friends. <laughs> Can we, just, can we just like rest in that? God can do anything he wants. In the scripture, we see God talking through donkeys. I mean, I, like you read the Bible sometimes and then you see the way Christians live and you're like, have you read some of the stuff that's in here? How God, God can work however God wants to work through any means he wants to work. And yet, what we're going to talk about today is not that maybe like big, high-level prophetic thing. What I want to talk about is the kind of prophetic ministry that really does strengthen, comfort, and encourage the church in a way that, that we all get to participate in. So what, what role, what function does this play in the body? It plays, one of the things that, that the prophetic gift does, as you speak God's heart to people, you're laying a foundation in their life of who they are. What you're doing is you're contributing to their identity in Christ. Because most times prophetic words don't come, like I said, with predicting your future or who you're going to marry or, or you're going to do this or you're going to do that. They're usually just really simple words about God's deep love for you who you are in him. And friends, I don't know about you guys, but we, I just need to be reminded pretty consistently about who I am to God. And when people do that, it's amazing how you just kind of like, you go from being like this to you just start to settle in to like, oh yeah, that's right. I got anxious and worried, upset about many things, and somebody came and just gave me a, just a, a simple word, many times just almost completely scripture, word for word. I got this verse for you, and that was a prophetic word. So we're laying this foundation. Sometimes people give us words of correction, right? That happens sometimes too. But the funny thing is most of the time when I've been corrected by a prophetic word, it's not head on. It's something that they said something and this person didn't know I had this issue in my life or this fear in my heart or this lie in my mind and they said something and it corrected it just in a moment. I was just off, right? And I wasn't off like the deep end. I was off just by some degrees and it was like the Lord brought this person. They said this and you're like, oh yeah, you're right. I just got, and that's why I think of more like course correction. We think of correction like, you know, your football coach screaming at you. I know Coach Brooks doesn't do that, right? So, but, but like, right, anybody played sports, you think correction, you're like, ooh, this is gonna hurt, man. I'm gonna yell that in front of all my friends. That's not the way God corrects us, Right? It's like a course correction. He's like, it's almost like just moving you over here a little bit, right? Like it's just, you get correct. You get guidance. And as we said, you get comfort, encouragement, strengthening. In the New Testament, I love the prominent idea is not prediction, but the inspired delivery of warning, exhortation, instruction, and making manifest the secrets 
of the heart. But the thing I want to focus on most today is 1 Corinthians 14. What does he say prophecy does? Everyone who prophesies speaks for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So can I just tell you, the church, the body of Christ, is meant to be the most encouraging environment imaginable. (laughs) The most comforting environment imaginable, and the most strengthening environment imaginable as we listen to God collectively for his heart, not just for us, but to others, and as we deliver those things that he puts into us for others. One of the other things that that I love is that uh, this verse in Joel, right, Joel 2, is that, and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Spirit-inspired speech is partly, or you might even say mostly, what breaks down the, uh, the barriers in the church between men and women, between rich and poor, and amongst nations and ethnicities. He says on who? On all people, every nation, tribe, tongue, on all people, both men and women, on all people, both rich and poor, can hear my voice and deliver my speech to people. If you ask me to get up and give a seminary class on the Bible and teach the Greek and all that stuff, you know what I have to have? I have to have a lot of things. I have to have a lot of degrees, a lot of education. I have to have a lot of student loan debt. Anybody in here? I see a few of you. Yeah, right? I have to have all these things because you have to be a professional to teach at that depth. But God says, any person on the earth can hear my voice and speak my truth. It's the, it's the ultimate leveling of the playing field when the Spirit pours out and he begins to speak. So a church that is collectively listening to the voice of the Spirit is the most egalitarian, <laughs> equal, equal church. It's an equal group. We're all the same. And, and yes, there's times where people get up on the stage and teach, but there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's no secondary gift, Right? We all have the Holy Spirit living in us, and he starts to level the playing field. So what does this look like? Because I know you're you're all kind of like, what does this look like? How how do you do this? And and can I just say the first thing that you need to do, if you want to hear God's voice, is worship. In God's presence is where he speaks. He works. He does things. I love Jesus would just withdraw to a lonely place, and they would say pray, but I I think it's the same thing. I think prayer, worship, those two things. I love uh, 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 one person said it's the harp and the bowl in heaven. So there's the worship and the prayers of the saints, and I think those two things are together, which is why we worship so much, because as one person said, prayer meetings without worship is like stacking rocks. You can do it, but it just gets... But when you have worship, it's amazing how easily prayer flows out of your heart. When you can sing and just kind of get your body moving, and all of a sudden, you're just praying. But when you get in a group, and you're like, all right, everybody stand there. Now pray, brother. And you're like, after that guy? That was amazing. That's the most eloquent, you know, long. But but you, you can just... You just start to pour your heart out to God, this, this, this worship. So if you want to know how to give a prophetic word, the first thing is to just immerse your life in worship. Begin to seek out places where you can see him, hear him, know him. And for some of you, that's in nature. For others, it might be, you might be like, when I run, <laughs> I turn everything off and I, God just starts to speak to me as I run. 
I sit on the mower and I just love it because I just, I love mowing because it actually is the one thing I do in my life where I see progress instantly. I'm like, I did that. Everything else, you're like parenting. You're like, well, in 30 years, you'll know if you did a good job or a bad job. And I'm like, ministry. I'm like, is this working? Is anybody getting this? You know? Um, And so I mow, but when I mow, it's just amazing how much my, like, my brain just kind of goes to sleep in a way that allows God to speak to me. And it's really fun uh, when that happens. So, so as you do this, as God begins to speak to you for others, right? This is really key because in, um, uh, in the prophetic, you have the revelation, you have the interpretation, and you have the application. So God speaks to you. That's the revelation. The interpretation is what does it mean? The application is what do I do? And, and, and so most times where prophetic words get mixed up, it's not in the revelation, it's in the application and the interpretation, right? We either misinterpret the word that somebody gives us, and if we misinterpret it, you know what we're going to do? We're going to misapply it in our life. And so this morning, I'm going to talk to you about um, how to interpret that and how to apply it, and, and again, how to do it in a way that strengthens, encourages, and comforts people. Because some of you have gotten a word from somebody before, somebody told you something about your life, that it seemed good, but it, you're just like, I don't know what to do with it, and so it almost became discouraging, right? You're like, God's going to do this in your life, and you're like, great, thanks. I mean, have you ever gotten that? Like some big thing, and you're like, that's great. I don't feel it. I don't know what that means. I don't know where it's going. It just, it just, it it wasn't given in a way that you could receive it, and that's really important. So, we're going to talk about first giving. This is just super practical, okay? Can you guys, like, just take a really practical journey with me? So, how do you receive a prophetic word? Or, or, sorry, how do you, did I go backwards? I went backwards. How to give a prophetic word. I skipped past it. How do you give one? Can I just say, like, the top three things in giving a prophetic word are humility, humility, and humility. <laughs> just right off the bat. Like, like, we hear God, and yet we've got to be really careful before we give a word to somebody that we have humbled ourselves under him to not insert our own language, our own timing, our own thoughts, our own preconceived ideas about who God is and what he does and how he works, our own thoughts about the person that we're giving it to. So one of the hardest things sometimes is to give a word that you feel like God's giving to somebody and not apply it to their life before God does. You're like, oh, well, I know Blake. I know what God's doing. So I'm going to give him this word and then I'm going to tell him what to do. And you're like, no. <laughs> Humility. Just say, God, I, okay, you gave me this. And, and in my flesh, I would answer this way, but yet I don't want to give this in my flesh. I want to give it in the spirit. I'm just going to, I'm going to wait. Humility. Gentleness. And so this, this really goes to like language. How do, you, how do you talk to somebody about their own life is, is really important because the language, the, for, for, uh, the forcefulness of it. And so I always try to, if God gives me something for somebody, I always try to be really, really gentle in my speech. And if you know me, that is from the Holy Spirit. So I typically want to inspire people to like punch things. Mm, that's how you get through life, with force. And so God always, and the way he does this with me a lot of times is he like makes me cry. And it's terrible. I hate it. So I go give a word to somebody. I just start crying. And I'm like, this is the dumbest thing. Why do I have? And it's because God's like literally trying to get me out of that force and into like gentleness and humility and like connecting my heart to, to the person. Um, one of the things I think about a lot, uh, if you guys know Lance Humphreys, anybody know Lance Humphreys in here? Lance does this so well. He's so good at this, this thing. And, uh, and it's this idea of qualifying so before you give somebody something, just say, hey, I don't know if I heard this right. 
I'm not perfect. This may, and you might say, this might be so off. And if it is, chuck it. Give them like a reason to be like, listen, you don't have to hold on to this. This doesn't have to have authority in your life if it doesn't speak to your heart. If your spirit doesn't leap and testify, get rid of it. Eliminate it, delete it, control, alt, delete. Wasn't that a thing for a while? Yeah, back in the day. Um, anyways, so qualify it. Another one is, is do it in private. Right? So if you get something for somebody, just, hey, can I talk to you after church? Or maybe in worship, sometimes it's good because it's loud, so you're the only people who can hear each other, right? So it's like face-to-face, but like in private rather than, than public. Um, one of the big things I always tell people is like, if you have something you need to say to somebody, you feel like it's from the Lord, but it's, it's more than like comfort or encouragement, check that word with somebody else. Right, so we'll read this in a little bit. The spirit of the prophets should be subject to the prophets. Find somebody else who you know has this gift and say, hey, I'm getting this thing and I don't know how to deliver it or um, I'm not sure how it hit them. You know, it's, it's like, it's big to check that word and communicate. That person might say, hey, you know what? The timing of that's off. I know, I know what's happening in their life. Let's wait on it and pray for a while. And the amazing thing is sometimes when you wait and pray for somebody for that thing, God delivers the word himself. And they go, whew. And then they tell you and you're like, this is crazy because I was praying and God gave me, you mean your word actually comes as the confirmation directly from a word to, from God, which is super cool when that happens. Um, one of the things, if, if God, uh, if you've had this happen, if you see something kind of in the spiritual realm and it's like dark or scary, can I just encourage you, don't share that with people. <laughs> Reframe it, you know? Don't be like, I saw this darkness over your head and it was like, oh, and you're like, I don't know what it means. And you just walk off and they're like, what? I can't sleep at night because this person gave me this word. You know, it's like, ask the Lord. Say, Lord, what does this mean? Can I reframe this in a way that say, hey, I see you in a great battle. But I see God victorious. I see him glorious in this fight. You know, you know, like, try to reframe it in a way, again, that they can receive it. And, and as I said earlier, you've got revelation, interpretation, application. If you don't have an interpretation for the word God's given you, do not make it up. <laughs> Don't make it up. Don't be like, ah, I think. Because friends, and this is where people get in trouble. I've seen people make life decisions based off of a prophetic word from somebody that wasn't interpreted well. And it caused a lot of pain and it caused a lot of like angst toward the church or towards a leader that it really, uh, you know, like it wasn't about that. It was about one person misinterpreting or misapplying and so that goes to my second one. So that's how to give a word. So if you're sitting here right here today and you're like, during worship, I looked at somebody and it was like they had a spotlight from heaven. And God just told me like, oh, I just, I love you. I love that person so much. They need to know. You're like, awesome. You know, that, isn't that amazing? But so one person might get that. The other person though has to learn how to receive a prophetic word. This is really important, especially if you um, are new to this. Um, so how do, you, how do you receive a prophetic word? The first thing I just want to tell you is like, if somebody gives you a word from the Lord, and again, it's more than just encouragement, especially if it's more than just encouragement, strengthening, comfort, I just test it, test it, test it. You know, just keep testing it until you get so clear with God what this thing is about, right? You, have, you should have gratitude and humility. Even if someone's wrong, like, I'm sure all of us have gotten somebody to come share something with you, and, I, and I've just done it. When I get somebody who's, like, wrong, I just know it's wrong right away. I'm just gracious. I don't, I'm not like, sorry, you misheard, you're wrong. I'm just like, thank you so much. Like, even in the midst of somebody not getting it completely right, for me, I feel grateful that one person in a room was actually praying for me. 
and asking the Lord about my life and what they might say to me. I love Mary. So if you get a word from somebody, Mary treasures these things in her heart and she ponders them. Right? She gets this word from an angel and she's just like, okay, I'm just going to treasure this thing. Because she's like, could this happen to a servant girl? Is this really real? Is this ever going to take place? And just think about, then she goes on this long stretch from the moment of saying you're going to be pregnant to confirming that she is pregnant. And that whole time she's just treasuring this word. She's pondering it. One of the things uh, I like to do with, with things that people give me is I like to take them and like physically think about planting them in my life like a seed. And she's like, I don't know what this is. I don't know where, where it is. I don't know what this means, but I'm just going to take this word that someone gave me and I'm just going to like, in the spirit, I'm going to, all right, God, you know what this means. I don't know what it means. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to plant it. Because when I plant it, I, I give up control over it. So too many times somebody says something over your life and then you feel like you've got to go make it happen. That's not the way God works, right? Like if, if he wants you to make something happen, he'll make it so clear, go do this. If not, he's saying, just be patient, wait on me. If this is supposed to happen, it'll happen. So when I was 19, um, so like I said, I've, I've, we've got some in our family who've been practicing. We have a, a great uncle, Don, who had a prophetic ministry for, I don't know, 50 years, and he traveled the country, and he's like, I meet with uh, Quakers, Catholics, Charismatics, Lutheran, I mean, and he's just, he was just this really weird, great uncle. It was awesome. I mean, he was just, but he's like living on a different plane, like one of those guys, right? And so we're at my grandpa's house, and I'm like, Uncle Don, could you prophesy over my life? Because he did it for my brother, and then I was really jealous. It was like Jacob and Esau. I was like, hey, not cool, man. So I was like, can you do it? And he literally goes, let me go pray about it. He leaves the room. He's in the back room for about 20 minutes and I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, what if he says no? Like that would, that would stink. He's like, God's got nothing for you. <laughs> I was like, all right, Lord. Okay. Um, and so he comes back. He's like, okay. Puts a tape recorder on. He just starts talking. But one of the things he said in the middle of it, which was really cool, he says, and he said this, do not try to make any of this happen. If it's from the Lord, he will confirm it and it will happen. And when it does, you'll worship. You'll be like, oh. And he had this thing about, he said, I see a picture of New York City. And he's like, I don't know what this means. I don't, I don't, I'm not, the Lord's not giving me any context. I just see a, a still frame. And he said, I get a black and white picture because God didn't give him color pictures. He's like, everything I get is in black and white, <laughs> which I love. Um, and he's like, I don't know what it means, but he's like, treasure it. Someday in the future, 15 years later, I'm on a plane and I'm flying into New York City and I see the skyline of New York City and I just, boom. I mean, I was like, like I was in that room with him and I was like, whoa, Lord, I'm here and I'm looking at the skyline. And, I, and, and again, and not like I, I knew what to do, but just like, God, you're amazing. <laughs> you knew I was going to be here. You knew I was going to have this picture. You knew that I was coming to meet somebody uh, amongst them, you know, Billy Patterson and John Tyson, who were going to change my life. And it was like this thing that God just wanted me to know that he, that what I felt in that moment is I felt loved by God. I felt seen by the Father. I felt like he cared about my life enough to give me a, a, a preview <laughs> of something in the future. And it was so beautiful. But the timing of that, I could have tried to go to New York City. And in my flesh, I would have. I'm like, I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to do this thing. And yet the Lord said, no, don't do that. Work on my timing. Wait for confirmation. So if somebody has something for you, that's how you receive it. Gratitude, humility, treasure, and ponder it. And test, when you test something, you test it by the word of God, right? So you go to the word of God. Anything you get that you can't find in God's word, that thing's out. Just 
automatically. If you can't confirm it, find it, see it, 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 that's, that's my test. So I just go to the Bible. I'm like, has this happened in the Bible <laughs> to someone? Is this thought or philosophy or way of thinking or seeing things? Is it in God's word? And if it's not, friends, I'm just like, boop. And now I don't like beat anybody over the head with that, you know, if it's like off. But I just, in my own heart. Um, okay, so let's move, move forward real quick. How do you grow in the prophetic, right? How do you do this? The, the first thing, if you're feeling these things, if you're like, God started to speak to me for other people, what do I do? And this is really fun. So the first thing you do is, is literally immerse yourself in God's word. That's the first thing, is, is your language should become God's language. Like, right, like God's language should become your language. Most of the people I know who are really mature, they're really good at this, you can almost not even tell when they're speaking or God's speaking. Like in terms of like, their words are so seasoned with God's word. And most of the pictures they get, most of the thoughts they get, most of the words they get are through the scriptures. And they know the Bible so well because they want to hear God's voice. And God's given us his word, first of all, to hear his voice. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And so as you're growing in this, just say like, man, I need to be in my Bible more than anybody else. I just, I'm going to eat the word. I love that John gets this revelation. He gets taken up into heaven. What does, what does the angel tell him? Eat the scroll. <laughs> He's like, you can't just depend on this revelation. I actually have words, my words I want to put into you. You need to know them. Second one is just language. You know, how to share. Humility, qualify it. Having boldness but being gentle. And this is something that you're going to grow in. You're going to learn as you go. Um, so you're going to learn language that actually helps people. And here's where I, why God's word matters. If, if we're not careful, our language in the prophetic will match the world. And, and the world these days speaks mostly therapeutic language. And, and that's not bad. It's not bad to be a counselor. If you're a therapist, I, I'm not hating on you. But that's not God's language, right? God's language is different. We need to learn his language that we're giving things in ways that matches what he hopes for us. And what God hopes for us is so different than what our culture hopes for us, right? Um, and so we want to do that in his word, learn that language. Third is timing, right? When to share life situations, should it be public or private? But you just start to learn, how should I share this? And, and what should it be like? When should it be? I've had many times with somebody like, I saw somebody in church and I got a word for them and I started to go and God was like, nope. And they just stopped. And they're like, okay, God, whenever you want me to share it. And I've heard stories of people saying like, and I never shared it. And then it got confirmed. That person was like, here's what happened. And I got to be the person, like, again, I got to be the confirmation. And so it's kind of Paul's thing of some people plant, some people water, some people see the fruit, right? And so we've got to discern in the midst of that the timing of those things. Another is get mentors. We, we have lots of people in this room who are really growing in this. And um, we have lots of people we know who can be mentors. It's just like anything. You want to be mentored by somebody who knows how to do this. And then you want to watch them do it. Right, so I think I've shared the story the first time I went to Israel. I went with this group who called Follow the Rabbi. And so the whole thing is you follow the rabbi around and you become like him. You do what he does. And we're at the Western Wall where we're praying. You know, you're putting the scrolls in the wall. And uh, we watched this rabbi come by with all of his, his students. 
And it's funny because he walked through and he went in the door and, and our guide goes, hey, everybody come here. He's like, did you see the rabbi? Did you see his students? We're like, yeah, they were following the rabbi. And they're like, that's like Jesus. And he's like, you know where he went? And we're like, no. He's like, he just went in the bathroom. And they all followed him in there. And I love, they're like, I didn't, something might happen in there that I should know. How does he wash his hands? How do you, it's just like, it was just fascinating that they're like, wherever he goes, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to be with him, having a mentor in the prophetic and then practice. You just need a place to practice. This is why we love our Wednesday nights. We love our Mondays at noon. We love the uh, discovery Bible studies we have. We love the prayer times that people are gathering in our prayer room. It just gives you a chance to listen to God and to speak to people for their strengthening, comforting, and encouragement. And the more you do it, it's like a muscle. The better you get at it. It's this, and, and there's this thing about, it's like a spiritual muscle memory where it starts to become second nature. You just start to hear God's voice. Um, one of the things that, that I've done in my life, we'll talk about generosity later, but I feel like the Lord had, uh, has really called me to that, but had called my family to that. My family is just hyper generous, but we didn't have any money. But it was just always, they were just always giving money away. And so I took this thing, I was like, I want to practice that in my life. And so I, I made a commitment to the Lord, any generous thought I have, I'll act on. Any generous idea that goes into my, and, and that could be buying baseball tickets for somebody or, or sending money or, but I was just like, because I want the muscle memory of generosity and the small things so that when the big things come up, I'm ready to act. I want to be like, no, no, I'm so, I'm so ready for that thought to burn through my brain and to say, yes, we want to do that with a prophetic. And the last is authority. And this one can be tricky, but God says it really clearly. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. For God's not a God of disorder, but of peace. So we have as, as authority in our lives in this thing, we have God's word and we have the leadership of the church, right? So, so again, people always, you know, when we talk about spiritual gifts, they're like, what if, what if, what if, what if somebody got up and spoke in tongues and there's no interpretation? I just want to keep saying, we would just ask them to be quiet. That's it. What if somebody in the church is operating in the prophetic in a way that's not cool? We know it's against, well, we've already done that. We've already asked people like, hey, the way you do this is not the way we want it to be done in this church. We need you to stop and learn a different way. We've had to do that. Why? Because we're here to protect people, to protect the work of God, to make sure this is a safe place for God to hear, hear uh, for people to hear God's voice and to follow him. Um, so I've got one, one last thing that's going to take about five minutes, because I, I wanted you guys to hear an example of this. Um, and so in, um, I'm going to skip this. I can send this to you. This is good, but we're running out of time. So I'm going to, yeah, so a couple examples. So one is I got this picture from somebody last week uh, who's actually here this morning. And it was during worship, he got a picture of what God's doing in our church and what God's doing in me. And he drew it out and he brought it to me and he explained it. And it was, one of, it was just such a beautiful moment because he used so much language that God has privately been telling me about what he's been doing here. It was such a confirmation of what the Holy Spirit was already saying to me. It strengthened me, it comforted me, and it encouraged me in God's work in this place and in my heart. And it was just such a cool thing that somebody's in worship and God's giving them words and thoughts and pictures and verses for me. I felt like, oh, God, he's still speaking to me. He still loves me. He still sees me, right? Isn't that beautiful? Um, another one. Uh, was about five years ago, almost four, four years ago, um, I was probably in the lowest point of my life in ministry as a pastor. Um, just dealing with so much junk, really dealing with a lot of conflict, like heavy accusation against my leadership and my character. 
Like one of those things where you get accused of things where you're like, there's no redemptive thing in this, right? You know, like, like this is meant to destroy me. This isn't meant to build me up or edify me or challenge me or correct me. This is meant to destroy me. And I was just so desperate. And I was, I mean, like, I'm thick, picture myself driving down the highway of ministry, begging for an exit ramp. But I'm on the Turner Turnpike and there's nothing. I'm like, Lord, there's got to be an exit here somewhere. I can get out of this and I can do something else. I've given you 20 years. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, if this is what church is and this is what ministry is, I'm, I'm out. And in the midst of that, we were preparing for sabbatical, and our friend Lance Humphreys was like, hey, we should go take a trip to IHOP, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, which they have done 24-7 unbroken worship and prayer for 23 years. Every hour of every day for 23 years, they have been worshiping and praying in this room. And he said, you can go there and you can sign up for the prophecy room, right? And if you're like me, my skeptical bells are all going on. I was like, prophecy room? It's like, you make an appointment? How does that work? And I was like, love Lance. I trust him. Let's go there for a day. We made Billy and Kelly go with us too. So we're like, if we're going to do this, you're doing it with us. And so we all went, we get there. We just end up in this room. It's the most peaceful room I've ever been in. Just like God's presence is in this room. They've just been cultivating it for 20 years. We sit down, our, our appointment's at two. So we're like, okay, so we got to go and like sit. And we like sit in our chairs and we're just like waiting for prophecy, like a doctor's office. And again, you're just going, is this going to work? Or is this going to be the end of it? None of this is real. I mean, it was just this crazy thing. And we end up in this room with a guy and a girl, and it's me and Annie and another lady. They do three people at a time with two prophetic people. And he opened his Bible and he said, you know, we prophesy here out of 1 Corinthians 14 for your strength and encouragement and comfort. He's like, we don't predict marriages. We don't talk about babies. We don't, we don't do that. This is strictly to minister to your heart. And in this lowest point of my ministry, I, I want you to actually hear um, what they said. So I'm going to try to play it and hope that it plays. So. Every time I speak, it could be totally way off. He's <laughs> so about this. <laughs> I see a stamp come down. Boom. And I get this phrase that it's a stamp of approval. And I felt like that was the Lord's stamp of approval on you. And I heard, I got this scripture uh, uh, from Matthew 3. And it... 317 it says and behold a voice out of the heaven said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased I felt like the Lord just saying that he's well pleased with you and I was sensing that just this um, this feeling of uh, and again I can be way off here I was just sensing that um, that's kind of been a, a troubling area, almost like it's, uh, I'm a, like, at times as believers, we can have this added, this idea that the Lord's mad at us, or like we feel like we can't do anything right. And I, I felt like the Lord was just saying that I've never been more proud of you. And that this um, 
kind of lingering thought of, is the Lord really pleased with me? Is He not? Like, am I really pleasing? And it's almost, I'm almost sensing like it's been, it's almost stifling from continuing to move forward. And the Lord just wants to like say, you know, boom. Like I put my stamp of approval on you. This is my son. I'm proud of you. And I just, I just, I just see the Lord there with you, just like rooting you on. And it's like, yeah, I want you. I want you to succeed. I want you to win. Like that's what fathers do. Is they, there for their children, and they're there cheering them on. And I just, I just really feel like the Lord's saying, I want, I want my best for you. I want the best for you and um, I just I just really kind of sense the Lord wanting to uh, deal with that with finality of making it uh, sure in you that this is really how I feel and I don't feel those other ways it's not me so I just bless you with that Thank you. And Jonathan, so I saw you with a tight and a nice suit. <laughs> God was saying me. No, great. <laughs> Red title. <laughs> okay. Um, and I hear him say, I ask, I ask what? <laughs> I said, because you are a VIP for him. A very important person for him, and he gave me First Peter five six and seven. He says, "So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you." And it came to to my memory this. There is a song that Laura Hackett is to sing is his river he rushes in the lowest place you can sing i don't know i can sing okay <laughs> i forgive you <laughs> so she just to sing his river he rushes in the lowest place and i saw you like maybe in a time of testing tribulation but it was just making the land lower for his river to rush and flow with power, with might, and bringing life. When the Holy Spirit flows through a person, brings life. And he, he wants that for you. He wants that wherever you go, and whatever you touch, will become alive. And the, the word says that the nature even is waiting, waiting for the revealing of the children of God, with groans and moans. And I feel that is the new part of this season for you is an unveiling of who you are, an unveiling of the power of life of the Spirit within you. Sometimes training is difficult, but I see you coming out glorious after this, this training. Um, just to encourage you that to go low, to go low, so he can be tall on you. We bless you. Jesus' name. Isn't that good? <laughs> I feel like all prophetic words should be delivered in a Venezuelan accent. <laughs> Sweetest lady 
And I walked in that room, the guy was dressed like a youth pastor, and I was like, I'm out. And they're like, his shirt tucked in and khaki pants. I was like, no, not this guy, Lord. And it was like, he just started talking, and I just started weeping. And friends, like though that five minutes you just listened to is why I'm here today. So I am still in ministry. Those two things anchored me to the call of God on my life and encouraged me in a way that said, keep going. Keep going. I've got this. And our church is where it is because she said, go low, humble yourself, receive these trials and tribulations as just the discipline of God because he loves you. Go low. And then guess what? The spirit will lift you up when the time's right. He'll exalt you. And it's just amazing. So here's what I want to do. I'm gonna, I want you to stand your feet. I'm going to invite the band back up. And we're going to worship and sing. But I just, I just wonder, like, like I was on that day, I wonder where you're at in your faith. Do you need strength? Do you need comfort? Do you need encouragement? Because God has all those things for you. And fascinatingly enough, usually housed in the voice of another person. <laughs> like we hear God's voice through other people. So we're just going to spend some time worshiping. Um, after a little while, our prayer team's going to come up. If you're like, hey, I want to try that out, I'm just going to go ask somebody to pray for me. And just, like I said, friends, I didn't give that group of people any backstory. They didn't know me from, from anything, and it was just like, like they had read my mail. I mean, it was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. So we have people who are practicing this. We just listen to the Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit, what might you say to this person? It's amazing how often it is literally just directly to the heart. In the midst of this talk, you may have looked around or in worship today, and you saw somebody around the word room, and you just were like, man, I feel like God has something to say to them this morning. I just want to give you permission as we worship. Just get out of your seat. Go grab them and practice what we said. Humility, testing, gentleness, grace. Um, but for their strengthening, comfort, and encouragement. You might have gotten something already. Um, so I'm going to pray for us. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And would you just maybe open your hands? So we're going to sing about Jesus, who is the way maker. He's a miracle worker. He, he is life and power and joy, his kingdom. And this morning, he's here in our midst, and he sees us, he knows what we need. And so I just encourage you, if you need something this morning, don't hesitate to go ask someone to pray for you. I'm so glad I took that five-hour trip to Kansas City to just try to hear from God, because it changed my life. So God, we just love you, we worship you, we honor you this morning. We thank you for the gifts, specifically for this gift of prophecy in the church that we might hear your voice for other people and we can deliver it in a way that would build them up and make the church beautiful. So we just ask Holy Spirit in these final moments that you would speak to us, that you might give us a word for somebody else or you might bring us a word from somebody else to build us up. So we just pray, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. So let's close in worship.